And uh, that little sermon bumper kind of reminds us, Raquel and I have never hidden the fact that years ago we had a little bit more strife than was healthy, and by God's grace, we've overcome that. We're in a great place today, but I want to tell you just a quick story of back in the good old days, uh, we're at a wedding. I don't know what happened, but somehow between, between the wedding and the reception, I'm sure it was Raquel's fault, but we had a, a, a fight by the time we got to the reception, it had come to a full boil, and I was crabby. We walked into the reception, and there's just very few people out there on the dance floor already, but there was this one girl out there that I had actually dated like 25 years before, and she was out there just whooping it up. I mean, she was break dancing. She was, she was going for it. It was wild. And did you just tell? <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's going for it, and I, I shouldn't have said this. But I, you know, I was irritated and I said, you know what, Raquel, 25 years ago, that girl let me know that she was available and she would like to be married to me. Shouldn't have said that. Oh, it's terrible. But Raquel just responded immediately. She said, oh, I believe it. I said, you do? Because I didn't even think she'd even believe it. She said, absolutely, I believe it. I said, well, why do you believe it? She said, look, the girl is still celebrating her narrow escape. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. But as he, I didn't know what he was going to say last night. And last night at services, he's telling the story. I'm sitting here thinking, I have no recall of this. I, I don't know what he's talking about. She was getting nervous. Further, I was literally sweating. Like, what is he going to say? I said, I don't even remember this event. And then he threw out the punchline, and I'm just not that witty. But it was a good joke. Well, uh, we're starting this series on relationships. What I'm going to share with you today is something that was a, a turning point uh, in my own life, my own heart. And certainly um, in our relationship, and I really have found, because I've coached a lot of people through the same exact process, that what I, I believe what I'm sharing today uh, is just foundational. If there's going to be relationship improvement, because if you believe the lie that you're stuck in a wrong, a mistake, your relationship is a mistake, all you can do at that point is kind of like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The thing's going down, and you're trying to make little improvements. And that's about all that relationship pointers are if, you don't, if, you, if you're starting with the foundation believing that you are in a mistake. We have to have the right foundation and realize uh, the truth. And this is something I realized in, in your bulletin is a sermon guide. It looks exactly like that. I'm going to put these scriptures up on the screen as well. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 7 in your own Bible, that would be great. Uh, but we're going to look at these scriptures because this is exactly the the point where I was reading when the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes to something and it truly did. It changed my life and I've coached some other people through this down through the years and I've watched it make an amazing difference in their life. In these scriptures I'm about to read, uh, now we accept this to be the word of God. We know this is the apostle Paul here speaking, 
but we accept this to be God's word. And four different times, in eight verses, four different times, he tells us to remain in places that God put us, God placed us. Now, here's what I've discovered down through the years, that very seldom do we recognize that God put us someplace. We tend to think, well, either this was just where I was born, or this is just where I am, or this is just the choice I made. And the very things that we tend to think are just even a mistake, God declares are places that he planted us. And there was a day where it just dawned on me. I just realized, wait a minute, God put me here for a reason. And that created such a shift. That started such a shift in my heart and mind uh, that my heart and ultimately our relationship changed. So we're starting here uh, in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, Don't you wives, and I just put these letters there to help you realize that he's talking to wives and husbands. So he starts talking about marriage. Don't you wives realize your husbands might be saved because of you? Don't you husbands realize your wives might be saved because of you? Now in verse 17, he starts the first of these four times where he tells you to remain someplace God puts you. Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation. Everybody say this. Say the Lord has placed you. Now again, he's talking about marriage and he's asking you to realize the Lord placed you there. Again, we're all tempted to say, no, this is just a choice I made. I think God would say differently. He is a little bit more involved than you might imagine. And remain as you were when God first called you. Now, the Apostle Paul says this, this is my rule for all the churches. So for Paul to say this is obviously huge in his mind, that this was the one rule he laid down in all the churches that he, he, Paul felt like, if I can get these people to understand this one thing, that God is much more involved than you think. And if you'll pay attention to where he has you and start building from there, you're going to end up in the right place. But if you start with believing everything about your life is a mistake, then you're going to be going all over the place and you're going to be missing what God has for you. So he says, he says, this is his rule for all the churches. Now he's about to give his second example. He starts with marriage. Verse 18, he's giving his second example. For instance, a man who was circumcision, he used as, as the second example. Now in our culture, uh, that doesn't mean a lot. But when Paul wrote this, circumcision meant one thing. That meant you were born to a Jewish family. And that told you a lot about your life. I told you a lot about where you grew up, about just details of your life. You were born there. And he's telling this person that that wasn't a mistake. Has anybody besides me ever been tempted while you were growing up? Do you ever remember feeling like, oh, I'm in the wrong family? I, I was born in the wrong place. You're watching some show and those movie stars, you know, oh, if I was born in their family, that's where I should be. My home is a mistake. Paul says, don't do that. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts saying, don't allow yourself to believe that. He goes on to say in verse 20, I'm sorry, uh, verse 19, uh, verse 18, I didn't finish it. For instance, the man who was circumcised uh, before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. Now, obviously he's not saying don't go so skin back on. He's saying, (laughs) he's saying, don't think your life, your Jewishness is a mistake. Yes, you've received Christ now, but don't try to erase and reverse everything about your life. Where you were born, the family you were born to, the culture you were born in, it wasn't one big mistake. Don't try to reverse it. Do exactly the opposite. Assume the opposite. Assume you were planted there for a reason and then your head will be in the right place and that's where God can use you and start using you. All right, verse 20, he goes on. Yes, each of you should remain. Yeah, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. There he repeats it again. 
verse 21, and then he gives now the third example. So the first was marriage. Secondly, he talks about the family you were born into. Now he talks about your economic status and your work. Verse 21, are you a, everybody say slave. He starts at the very bottom of the economic ladder. It exists, you know, throughout, cult, throughout society. And he says, are you a slave? He starts at the bottom because he doesn't want any of us to let ourselves out and think, well, you know, God, God might put somebody in this spot, but he would never put somebody in the spot I'm in. I've, I've discovered this. I've studied the Bible a lot on this topic, and I'm, and I'm convinced the, the reason the Bible addresses slavery so often is because every human being, in order to do God's will, ends up feeling like a slave. You end up feeling like you're stuck in some spot. Paul, the apostle Paul, referred to himself as a slave because you know what? If you're going to do what God calls you to do, there are going to be spots where you have to stick through some hard things, and that's the reason God's talking about it. So he says, are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But what do most of us do? I, I, we've all done it, to be true. We look at the hardship of the spot where we feel like we're stuck in and we're tempted to complain. He says, don't let that trouble you. Don't let it worry you. Each of you, now the fourth time he repeats it, each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. So here's his big rule. His rule is God's a lot more involved than you think from the time you've been born Nothing's been random. He's got you in the right spot. Pay attention to that. And when you start doing that, then is when God can really use you. He gives specifically these three categories, uh, your marriage, your, where you fit. Again, that would be their Jewishness. It's probably hard for us to comprehend how much that just dictated where they fit in the world. He says, don't try to reverse that. Don't try to change it. And then your work. Just recognize that God plants you in places for a reason. And then... But so often, would you, and would you write this down in number, number two? So often that when we are in these spots, and maybe an employee is something that we understand the mentality of a little bit more. But when you allow yourself to feel like, like a slave, and this is what I'm talking about, in the sense or an employee. Now, most of us are employees, but the mentality I'm talking about is one who's always feeling cheated. In fact, number three, write this down. An employee is always looking for their rights, or at least the mentality I'm talking about. Always feels like they're being cheated and they're always looking out for their rights. I have rights. Well, that is exactly the opposite of the attitude God wants us to have. God wants us to come in every place where he puts us with what we would call an owner's mentality. If you have ever owned anything, you don't think of it, well, I have rights. Somebody owes me something. No, an owner, actually an owner expects problems and expects to look for answers, expects to find solutions. That's, and that's the mentality that God wants us to have. He, we, he, he puts us in places that are intentionally difficult and he expects us to understand that yes, there are going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties, but instead of feeling like, oh, somebody fixed this. There's a problem here. An owner says, no, I recognize that and you set out to overcome. And then I've given you um, five different categories, or six actually, on your notes, it's A, B, C, A through F, but just write these down. These are different areas. Now, Paul gave you those three, you know, marriage, your fit in the world, and your work, but I think what he was saying, he, he's, he's saying, gang, recognize that your life is intentional. And here's just some different areas where we quite often, again, are tempted to feel like maybe I've been cheated, or maybe this is just a mistake. I've, talk, I've felt this way and I've talked to a lot of people who felt like their marriage was a mistake or their fit in this world, that the family they were born in or where they fit was a mistake. Their work is a mistake. 
their location. I know people who feel like even where they are in the world, whether it's the home that they're in or the state that they live in or the city that they live in or the school that they go to, it's all a mistake. And again, I hope you get this. Once you believe the lie that where you are is a mistake, generally at that point, once you believe that, you've got one of two options. Starting from that lie, you'll have one of two options. You'll either feel like, okay, I'm going to suffer. You'll be the, you'll be the trooper. I'm going to stick it out, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to stink. I'm going to suffer, or you're going to escape. You're going to suffer or escape. And neither of those are God's plan. Yes, they're, they're, to do God's will does involve a certain amount of suffering, no question. But God wants us to look at it with a different mentality. Yes, God put me in a place where there's problems, but he put me here to find his grace, to use his spirit, his energy to overcome, to see good things. God wants us to bring, be instruments of change in this world, and that only happens when you see with the right mindset that God put me here for a reason. Friends, I've been here. We've probably got number five. I've been there. We've probably all been there at some point where we looked in the mirror. We thought we were a mistake. The body I'm in, I look at myself in the mirror and ah, one big, I'm looking at a mistake every morning when I look in the mirror. I'm a mistake. Friends, we can't believe that. That is a lie. And again, I'll say it. Once you start with that lie, you can only, all all the relationship tips, once you start there, are only, they're just arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And that's not where we want to go with this series. We want to start in the right spot. And starting in the right spot is realizing that God put me here for a reason. If you look at the verse below number three, it starts with, it's Colossians 3, starting there with 23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. But if, you know, how do you live life working at something with all your heart? If you feel like Brian was describing, if you feel like you're trapped in a situation or relationship or your job or your neighborhood, if you feel stuck, how are you going to work at something with all your heart? I mean, you can do it for a short period of time, but you can't sustain it if you feel trapped. And that fill in the blank number four, it says, are you trapped or are you a plant? How are you going to work at something? if you feel trapped. Recently in the theater, there was a movie, an action movie, uh, about the hero who had to infiltrate into uh, an enemy's prison. So he had to get into prison. He was breaking in, and most people try to break out. He was trying to break into the prison uh, to get some answers or whatever. So he's breaking into the prison. Now, he's in this prison, but like all the other men and women in this prison, did he feel like a criminal? Did he feel like he was trapped? No, he knew he had a purpose. He knew he was planted in that prison to get information for a purpose and a plan. In uh, John 17, it's not in your notes, but uh, the book of John, chapter 17, starting in verse 15, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for his people. And he's praying to God, and he said, God, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. Verse 16 says, they do not belong to this world. And just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, this verse is talking about you. He said, you don't belong to the world, just like that that action hero didn't belong in prison, but he was sent into prison. He was sent into that environment for a purpose and a plan. And Jesus has sent you and me and his entire body into the world for a plan 
and a purpose to make a difference. And if we will work at that with all of our heart, we will experience that difference. Several years ago, there was a reality TV show, and I hate reality TV shows. I know that that's not popular to say, but the Super Nanny. Do anybody remember watching Super Nanny? Yeah, um, they, they would send this woman into a home where the adults were acting like children, and the children were acting even worse than that. And to, to bring this chaos to right, she was to go in to make a difference into the home. And we watched that in America for entertainment. And, <laughs> sorry, so... I didn't watch it, but I saw the commercials, and that was enough for me. So, so they would send her in. So her job was to go in, and, you know, I'm sure she got paid enough for it. But imagine yourself. What if someone said to you, all right, I'm going to put you in a stranger's home, and you're going to get a huge payoff, a large payoff, if after one month you go in and you reveal Christ to these people by your actions, that they would see the nature of God in you by how you behaved. They would see the character of God by your willingness to serve and to forgive and to love. And our job was to show for one month the power of God just by being a loving, merciful servant in this home of people who were far from God. Now imagine that it's your home. And you were sent there for a purpose, to reveal the character and the nature of God. His mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his love. You were sent into your workplace, your neighborhood, your family members, those relatives. You were sent to be the example and the light of Christ. And if you look at the book of John, Jesus said, I am sending them into the world. He sent you. He gave us this job. He placed us in our families. He placed us in our neighborhood. He placed us in our workplaces, in the environment, our neighborhoods. And he sent us there with a purpose and a plan to infiltrate the world with the nature and the character of God. Now, something that you might want to take note of in Colossians, he didn't say, work at it with all your heart and don't make mistakes because we know we are all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall short. But if we will continue to pick ourselves back up and work at it with all of our heart, God will be there to meet us. And I promise you, if you are willing to open up your heart and to work at it with all your heart, you will see, experience, not only a change in your environment, but in your, it will start in your own heart and life first. You know, I'm, I'm sure you, you might be tempted to feel like I'm, overstating the promise or over-exaggerating the the results. But all I can speak from is my own experience in my own life. And I've personally, you know, talked to and coached a lot of people uh, through this. And I've watched some amazing shifts uh, in their own heart and mind overnight. uh, But then in results over weeks, months, and years, uh, as they've made this shift. And as I just listen to Raquel and just think of, it is just scary to, to remember, you know, where we were, where I was in my mind. Cause I, again, I was in that mindset that I'm, I'm trapped. And once you, once you start with that lie, it's amazing how the smallest little things just, just get magnified in your mind. And oh, how, 
oh, how awful our home was in my mind. And I look now and I just recognize, uh, Raquel is just an amazing person. She really is. And how thankful I am today uh, for our relationship. And as I look back and I, as I preach that first part of the message, I'm sure it sounds like, oh, you know, the, that, that you must have been just so awful to each other. And, and there was, you know, a, a fair bit. But the truth is, a lot of it was just simply the fact of misinterpreting just what was. And once you, once you allow those lies in your brain, you start misinterpreting so much of reality. And today, um, some, and this is, just, this is just the truth on both of our sides, some of the same things that used to drive us nuts, not all, but some of those things still exist, but instead we recognize it for what it is. Uh, see that, you know, Raquel was talking about being a plant, you know, that spy. If you've ever seen a good action spy movie, the spy is never sent to the Ritz-Carlton to, to determine if the, if the room service is up to par. He's, they're never planted in a plush place to determine something simple and easy. They're always sent into a difficult place. Is that not true? Right? And you wouldn't pay to see a movie where they weren't, would you? Of course not. I mean, how exciting would that be? Ooh, they're, they're finding out if the room service is good or not. I, on the edge of my seat. <laughs> no, that's not the way it works. And it doesn't work that way in our lives. But you have to actually believe it. The change comes when, when you actually believe that God put me here. Now, I can only speak for myself and, you know, my story, but here's how it worked for me. There was a huge part of what God had called me to do on planet Earth. And most of you, you know, this is the one role that most of the time you see me in this role. You see, okay, well, you're teaching. Well, actually, teaching is a spiritual gift of mine. But in leading a church, there's, and I don't have time to, you know, explain all this, but it's not the point. In leading a church, there's about 75% of my job is, is not this, and it, and those leadership roles involve things that are very difficult for me, quite honestly. They weren't great gifts for me. They involved an amazing amount of hard work. They amounted an amazing amount of change within myself. I had to change, and I'm still having to change and grow and stretch and do things that I didn't want to do, didn't like to do. Well, guess where all those changes happen? Oddly enough, interestingly enough, the exact same changes within me that it took to become the loving, kind, forgiving, recognizing that in the, the, some of those situations in our marriage that I was supposed to get on top of, I was supposed to love and give and serve and forgive. That took a lot of effort. That took a lot of change. That took a lot of, it, 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 it takes work to sh- shut your own mouth on occasion and give. Well, all that work, it's shocking how that translated into the work God wanted me to do in the world. See, up to that point, all I had ever heard in church, you know, concerning challenges in a marriage, well, God just made you to be sandpaper for each other. And you're just sending each other off into a fine perfection. Well, that was never very helpful to me. I'm like, okay, I'm sanded enough. All right, you know. And <laughs> but quite honestly, and I'm not saying there's not truth to that, but quite honestly, the whole sandpaper thing, it's a little bit of a shallow, kind of a selfish thing. I mean, here's the God's big goal, I mean, God's great goal in these difficulties is, difficulties is that I'm sanded to a fine finish. Well, it's actually a lot bigger than that, gang. There are hard things God wants us to do 
in this world. And usually if we're the people who will make the hard changes within ourselves to have loving relationships, the ones that God puts right in our face, those same things will enable us to do hard things out in the world. Here's a st- statistic. You've probably heard me share this before, but this has been proven in many studies that less than 10% of Christians will ever in their lifetime lead somebody else to Christ. Less than 10%. Now, every Christian knows that that's our, that's our commission. Go into all the world. We share the gospel. That's the last thing Jesus said. We all know that. Why do so few do it? It's hard. Quite often, it involves stretching yourself. It involves might, maybe even inviting somebody over, making friends you're not comfortable with. And, as, and this isn't a Christian behavior. This is human behavior. Human behavior is avoid hard things. Universal. That's what human beings do. We avoid hard things. And we just, you know, we just want it easy. Whatever comes easy, that's what we do. So what has God intentionally done? He has intentionally placed in our path difficult things that in order to love and to have a happy home, you're going to have to make some difficult changes. And he expects you to take that same strength that you gain to go out there in this world and make a difference. It's not just for sandpaper for you to be a little bit sweeter in the end. It's for for us to accomplish things in this earth. So how do you do that? How do you change your mindset? If you do feel trapped and not planted, if you do feel like maybe you feel like you're a mistake, maybe you feel like you've just made too many mistakes, or maybe you feel like you just don't have what it takes to get to that place from being feeling trapped to knowing that God planted you and placed you. And you can get there. And I can attest in Brian's life, I've watched it and I live close enough to him to know I can smell him. I live that close to him. (laughs) I live close enough to him to know that he did take a hold of these truths and he took them in his heart and he made them a reality by, by believing the word of God and acting on the word of God. And as he began to act on the word of God and speak the word of God, it began to change his behavior. It began to change his very mindset. But how do you get to that place where your mindset goes from feeling trapped to knowing I am planted here with a purpose. And I've been in that same boat where, you know, you feel like you're trapped or you feel like you're not good enough or you've made that mistake one too many times, you know, to be able to make a difference. Well, the truth is the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. The way, the way you're going to believe that reality, the truth, and it is truth, Jesus said it, that he sent you. He sent you. Jesus said those words. I didn't say those words. He said those words to his people. He sent us. And how you're going to believe that is the same thing that you do when someone makes you really mad. When someone makes you really mad or did something just really wrong to you, I don't know about you, but this is what I do. I go over it in my head, and I think, well, they just did that, and they, he did that again. And I, we already had this conversation, and how many times is, you know, I don't know about you, but that goes through my mind like that. When, you th- when someone does you wrong, you replay it in your mind. You rethink about that conversation, and you think of better little zingers that you can give back. Anybody, that's called meditating and we all do it. But if we will take God's word and we'll spend that time in our own heart and mind and be thinking what God said, God said that if we should work at it with all our heart, 
That's why we, we share the word of God. That's why we give verses out of scripture so that we can retain them. In, in the children's ministry, they're learning the same verse every month for four weeks, the same verse to help it solidify in their heart so they can be reminded of God's word. And that is what builds faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And your own self needs to hear the word of God from your own self from your own mind. You need to be reminding yourself, yes, I need to work at this with all my heart. That's what God said. And in John 17, Jesus said, he sent me. I don't feel good enough, but Jesus obviously has a different opinion than me. He sent me to my family. He sent me to my workplace. He sent me to my neighborhood. He sent me and he placed me here. And here is where he expects me to make a difference. And if you will remind yourself of those truths, God's word, eventually that faith will rise up in you and you will see it with your own eyes. You will see, yes, I am here for a purpose. And that will give you the energy to sustain working at it with all of your heart. Everybody take a look at that scripture. It's on your sermon guide here that that Raquel just mentioned. Colossians chapter 3, it's just above number 4. He's actually, again, in verse 22, just to be clear, speaking to slaves. Now, why is that important? Again, just because he's doing that, so nobody lets themselves out. Who doesn't think, okay, well, yeah, God would put somebody, yeah, he's talking to people placed up here. He's saying, gang, God puts us in places, sometimes hard, for reasons. And then he says this, verse 23, he says, whatever. Everybody say whatever. Until you get this, that your whatevers aren't just random. Notice what he says. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Hopefully I can say this clearly. God is not asking them and you to pretend when you're working a job or doing anything. He's not asking you to pretend that you're working for God and not human masters. He's asking you to realize you're working for God and not human masters. Do you see the difference? This isn't just some attitude shift. Oh, I'm just going to pretend I'm working for Jesus. Oh, hey, oh, that's what God's telling me. He's trying. He's throwing me just a little attitude adjustment here. I'm going to pretend that I'm working for God. That is not what he's saying. He's saying, realize that you are. The living God puts you there for a reason. And when you, and as long as you're pretending it's, and you're trying, you, this attitude shift will work for you for about 10 minutes. And then you go back to Mr. Krabby, all right? But when you realize, ah, oh, yeah, it's hard. That's why they pay to watch the movie because it's awesome. Hard things. Uh, Number five, here's the reality. God is actually setting the absolute perfect growth track in front of you. God has set, you don't even have to, you don't even have to work to come up with the perfect spiritual growth track. God has been so good to drive all of your growth straps right up to your door, plant them under your nose. God's growth track for your life is called your life. Isn't he so good? He's so awesome. I never need to to look for a, a step to take. He drives it up to my door. He brings it right in my face. He's so good to bring the... Uh, now, do you understand those things he's bringing up to your face are the difficulties and the challenges and the times where you want to scream. Right? We get it? It's the whatevers of life where we want to complain. And number six, I just wanted to say it a different way. Here's what I, if I'm going to leave you with one, I hate to call it a secret, but just 
say this out of your mouth, especially in those times where you're tempted to complain or blow up or do worse. Just say this. Say, God, thank you for my life just as it is. Or fill in that blank with something more specific. In, in that moment, you're tempted to freak out. God, thank you for my boss just as they are. God, thank you for my husband, just as he is. God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for work. Thank you for my children, those little angels, Lord. Thank you for blessing me with her. This is not saying that that you're not supposed to make improvements, but where are you going to find the energy to make improvements? You're going to find that when you have this attitude and you realize you've been planted there by God and you have that owner's mentality, you find the grace of God, it fills you. And you find energy to be a change agent and you're going to make amazing improvements in the environments around you. And you're going to watch the world change around you. That's what God's looking for. He's not just looking for some sandpaper to make you a little smoother. He's, ask, he's looking for change agents. And a hundred times out of a hundred, that's, everybody say hard. That's hard. Anybody who tells you it's easy to make a difference in this world hasn't done it. It's hard which is why he puts us in hard places and expects you to get on top. Don't, don't complain. Get on top. The grace of God will be there. He won't put anything in your face. You can't overcome by his grace. Thank him for it. Rejoice in it and watch him overcome. Will you bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute? Now, I understand that we all live life, so this applies to every one of us, but there's several of us in here this morning that you really need to get this. You you know that even as I'm sharing this, you just recognize that, man, I've been feeling trapped. I've been feeling trapped. I've been looking for my, I've been looking for the escape hatch. My friends, nobody is looking around, so don't be embarrassed because we've all been there at some point in our life, but you've got to change that belief pattern. If you're going to receive the grace of God, you have to change your belief pattern. You have to see the hand of God putting you there for a reason. If that's you and you've been feeling trapped and discouraged with your life, nobody's looking around, but just raise your hand right there where you're seated. Say, man, that's me. You're talking to me. Hold your hand up for just a minute. Father, I just want to pray in the name of Jesus Christ for every hand that is lifted. God, we can speak your truth, but only you, Lord Jesus Christ, only you can show us that you made us Uh, who we are for a reason. We're not a mistake. Our life isn't a mistake. Our homes, our work. God, help us to see reality. And whatever we do, whatever, it's a big category, whatever, Lord, we're we're gonna work for you. You put us there, we're working for you. And we're gonna expect you to work things out. We're gonna expect you to use us to bring change into every one of these environments trust you to do it in Jesus' name. And everybody says...